Welcome to the One Last Sketch Podcast. This is Michael again, joined by... Marie Gautrek. And this time, instead of coming back from drinking, we actually are drinking. Yes, it's a lovely uh, Cabernet Sauvignon from somewhere in France. The bottle's in the kitchen. Can't tell you. Today we're talking about Jane Yolen's Pit Dragon Chronicles, which initially consisted of three books. Dragon's Blood, Heart's Blood, Ascending of Dragons, and then 20 or so years later she also wrote Dragon's Heart. So lots of people my age who read them as kids suddenly went, ah, I'm sure, <laughs> and then uh, took it out and read it, which we did. So for those of you who don't know, the Pit Dragon Chronicles are centered around a planet called Ostar the Fourth. The Space Australia! <laughs> That's what Ostar the Fourth is. It's a KK planet settled by the Federation initially to put prisoners on it. It's a barren desert-like world containing dragons. You can't see my finger quotes, but I'm doing that. Which are, you know, dragons. So <laughs> Yeah, in Sister Emily's Lightship in the afterwards, Jane Yolen as one segment where she says she usually doesn't write science fiction. Every time she does, she just ends up taking mythological creatures and putting them into a universe where they could actually be real. And this is a very obvious case of that. All-Star 4 is no longer known as KK249 or whatever it was. It is now called All-Star 4. It's a protectorate in the Galaxian Empire, which we never really see. Because Daniel and can't be bothered to write the details, and it's not really necessary to tell the story. The main character of the story is Jack and Stewart. Um, oh, there's a lot of double K names in this universe. I've always just thought of them as a single K sound in my mind, because I suppose you could say Jack Kin, but that sounds a bit awkward, so we're just going to have a single K sound for people who might be wondering why we are not, you know, stressing it. In the earlier days, all prisoners were given that designation. That's why there's a double K in all city names, too, actually, even though there's only two cities on the planet. Apparently. Is it five rivers or six? Five rivers. Five rivers. The rest is a desert. Yep. With interrupted by oases, which have spica plants, which are like palm trees, yeah. basically. I've always said that's spica. That's kind of funny. There are some mountains which are slightly more habitable. And also some marshes which aren't. In this universe, it is straight-up science fiction, despite the presence of dragons. <laughs> there are references to legends of dragons on Earth, but apparently they have nothing to do with dragons on Ostar the Fourth. This would be sort of one of those cases where it'd be like, Oh my goodness, the, the legends on Earth must mean something, but I prefer to go that no, this is just a crazy coincidence. Like, so many things. That's the... how it's presented by Yolen, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. So what we do get is long explanations of dragon biology, mm -hmm. explaining how they could fly, why you can't ride one, which they... ties into that explanation of how they can fly. <laughs> yeah, they, they can fly because, like birds, they have hollow bones, although they're also pneumaticized, they're described, I'm not really sure what that means. So they're relatively fragile, which is sort of the key with actually a lot of uh, dinosaur species. Warm-blooded, yeah, like warm -blooded. dinosaur species. Um... Warm Extremely warm-blooded, actually. Although warm-blooded, cold-blooded is kind of a outdated phrase in science, but anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason that you can't ride them is because when you, well, f while they're flying, because this is not the Dragon Riders of Pern, 
Um, they just couldn't lift you. You'd be sitting on the muscles doing all the work, so no. Uh, the other main reason that you can't ride them at all is because their uh, razor-sharp scales are uh, sharp and razor-like, and so they would, they, uh, would cut up your thighs fairly badly. These scales also function like feathers, but they're scales. Yes. Which always led me to some confusion, because the wings were described as membranous, and then there'd be bits with feathers, so I'm guessing there are some parts that are membrane-stretched out, like your bats or pterodactyls or whatever, and then there's some bits that also have feather-like flappy bits on them. Ostar the Fourth is a sparsely settled planet. Their main everything, main food source, main source for economy, are dragons. The economy case being that they host pit fights, thus Pit Dragon Chronicles. Yep, I like to call it a bit, it's a bit like if Pokemon didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it is a world that revolves around this pit fighting. Since they are, since Ostar Four is a protectorate in the Galaxian Empire, Mm -hmm. um, they don't fall under Federation laws against this sort of animal cruelty. So uh, lots of Federation people can come and enjoy betting, gaming, and uh, bagging, I guess we should have to call it. <laughs> All-Star the Fourth runs on a master bond system, which developed from the older warden-prisoner system of yesteryear. Um, means you wear a bag around your neck if you are a bonder, and you need to fill it in order to buy your freedom and become a master. You fill it with gold, incidentally. Not just anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there's a great thing that, that Jane Lynn did with uh, curses, which is that she basically, basically took what we would say for fuck or fucking and made that bag and bagging. Which has to also related to what are called baggeries. Uh, yes, is... there is one way that women can fill their bags in this universe, even though Jane Yolen never explicitly says what young women do in baggeries. Yeah, it is. Even as a child, I figured that out <laughs> that they are yes. that they are whorehouses. Although in all star starian society, it's not particularly bad to have. You know, no, baggery. that profession isn't looked down upon in Ostar. It's one of those things you do, so... <laughs> so, the first book takes place in a nursery for dragons, where yep. young Jackin manages to steal a young hatchling named Heart's Blood. Despite being stepped on by a dragon and... Uh, <laughs> and various other things. Various things that occur. Steals a young dragon, brings out the hatching out to an oasis that only he knows about, and, um... Trains it. Trains it there. He was linked with the dragon through a blood relationship, potentially, but when Hart's blood uh, drank a little bit of slippers that he had on his uh, yeah, as a child, fingers. yeah, or as a hatchling. Yeah, I they're guess not children. Hatchlings. <laughs> um, thus, they have some psych psychic relations, although they are not in words; they're in color pictures. It's like in Sparta; it's not looked down upon to steal things, particularly as long as you're not caught. Well. <laughs> It's um, it's perfectly okay to steal eggs because dragons in this universe produce so many eggs that you couldn't tell whether or not they had a hatchling in them. There's a, for every hundred eggs, there might be you know five hatchlings. So there's a good so unless you can have some sort of sense of there's being a hatchling in them, you're very likely to just get an empty egg. It's okay to steal an egg. That's kind of a rite of passage. But steal a hatchling is bad. However, for various plot reasons, Jack Jack is able to steal a hatchling. And since he's not caught. <laughs> the Master Sarkand does not look down upon this and actually applauds him for what he did. Sarkand also has a spoiler, a daughter. <laughs> a daughter named Akinata, or Aki for short. 
don't think I would be able to remember the long name off the top of my head. It only occurs about three times in the entire series, I mm-hmm. think. So. Um, so the first book is a fairly straightforward coming-of-age story. It just happens to have pit-fighting dragons in the same world that has helicopters. I will say now <laughs> that you can honestly read Dragon's Blood and stop there and be happy. It's a mm-hmm. pretty good book, standalone. Very. The problem being that the next book is even better! Dun-dun-dun! <laughs> yeah. Alright, so Heart's Blood is uh, the second book in the series. It's named after Jacken's Dragon, who's called Heart's Blood. Much like uh, horses have very unusual names, the names of the dragons of this universe have to do with their lineage. Mm-hmm. And so since there's lots of blood names and uh, heart names in Sarkin's nursery, this dragon's name is Heart's Blood. Also, she's red color, and red being the good fighting dragon color. Mm-hmm. Um, suits her there, too. The important plot point here that has to do with the environment of All-Star IV is that there is a four-hour period called Dark After, where it is too cold for humans to go about their business and survive, even if they're wearing as many layers as they possibly can. Well, all of the clothing on All-Star is pretty much dragon leather. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of fleeces. Or anything that could, you could manage outside from most people. So Heart's Blood develops upon that mental link that happened between Heart's Blood and Jacken in the previous book. Mm-hmm. In this case, to say how this applies would spoil the ending, but I'm not quite sure how we're going to talk about the other books without it. We're going to be spoiling all the endings of these books. Yes. So maybe you should stop listening if you <laughs> wanted to read them. Uh, yeah. Heart's Blood, she lays, um, it is plot and porn, she lays, um, uh, a clutch of her own, and has five hatchlings out of that. In graphic detail. Yes. Wonderfully graphic, graphic detail. I was never bothered by that, did I? Never bothered no, me? that didn't bother me. It was just an accurate <laughs> description of what goes on. And very much in the tone of a person who had grown up on a dragon farm and seen this kind of stuff all the time. It's just mm-hmm. the thing that happens. So, at the end of this book, they are being pursued... For yes. various reasons, one involving an explosion. I think we do have to describe this. There is a rebel cell movement <laughs> on uh, Ostar 4, which is fairly unclear reasons. Uh, some factions of it are anarchist, it seems. And um, Jack and Anaki have been tricked into carrying a single bomb, although not the only bomb, into the, Brock, into the Rock Major Dome, which is one of the pits. The main fighting pit the in Ostar 4. And um, they drive away, but the, the bomb goes off, thus killing quite a large number of people and dragons, and also Sarkin, it's very sad. Mm-hmm. And um, that leads to a certain amount of people wanting to find them, because it, they were basically made into scapegoats for the rebel cell who wanted someone to blame. Mm-hmm. So while they're escaping... Uh, basically, Heart's Blood sacrifices herself for them, and in order to survive Dark After, because they aren't near any caves or any of the various shelters set up for people in case they get caught out at night at this time, they shelter inside Heart's Blood's birthing chamber and experience a very weird rebirth scene. Mm-hmm. The lack of skin thing was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Their skin gets stripped. stripped. Again, we said earlier that the dragons are warm-blooded, extremely warm-blooded. Everything on this planet, down to plants, tends to just flare up. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a large enough mass would stay warm for four hours, I think. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. by staying in the chamber, they 
develop full telepathy, like dragons do. Yes. And they can survive dark after, because now their blood is... They're just as hot-blooded as heart's blood. It's not really explained how this is done, it's just... It happened. Cool. Yes. This more <laughs> the explanation, and I'm perfectly satisfied with that. I would say that heart's blood is the best Yeah. of the four books. It's the most heart-rending, mm-hmm. but also definitely the fastest pace. Also the first one I read, actually. Next comes Ascending of Dragons. Or, as I like to call it, Jackin' in the Mole Men. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I don't think we really need to go much detail in this, besides the fact that Ostar the Fourth is a metal-poor world, and Jackin and Aki come across these underground people who are also descendants from prisoners, but have stayed the entire time underground, where it turns out there is metal. Yes, in the mountains. Who would have thought to look there? Mm-hmm. And a bit... <laughs> bit weak, I feel, that part. <laughs> However, one of the key thing about the uh, moment, or as they are called, Trogs. Um, not in this book. Not in this book, that comes up later, suddenly. Um, is that they have a process of when a female dragon, they only keep female dragons, lays all her eggs, they kill that dragon, then put their babies inside a birthing chamber, thus giving all their race the powers of psychicness and ability to withstand the cold. And they also lose their powers of speech, though this is more a societal thing than yeah. an innate function of having put your babies in a birthing chamber. Yeah, it's just... It's Jack just, and Aki can still talk to each other. Yeah, it's just considered kind of rude, I guess, to talk. I guess also considered kind of pointless. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they're very strong... Very single-minded, pun intended. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Jack and Anaki basically save a dragon and a dragon hatchling, get out from that, and are picked up by, um... Senator Golden, who's who actually, has beaten all of these books so far. He hasn't been... He wasn't in Dragon's Blood. He shows up in... Oh, Dragon's no, he book. was. It's just that he's not called Golden. Oh, that's right. He's dark and... <laughs> See, he tricked me. Uh, Senator Golden is a senator... Master of Disguise! Apparently. <laughs> also a schemer and various kind of politically connected guy who drives a lot of plot, basically. Okay, so this was the initial trilogy, which was published in the 80s. I guess we can talk about how we first came across the initial trilogy. Um, I came across this trilogy. I will not completely repeat the bad librarian story, which I commented on one of Mike, Michael's um, posts before. Uh, I came across Heart's Blood in the part of the library. I wasn't allowed to read at that age. Happened to grab it. Somehow checked it out, even though it was not a book I was supposed to be able to take. Read it. Thought it was brilliant. Couldn't actually take any of the other books out because the librarian wouldn't let me. <laughs> for various ridiculous reasons. Said, heck with this, I started using the public library and got the rest of them. So Heart's Blood was the first one I read, and I thought it was fantastic. And then I read Ascending of Dragons, and then I read Dragon's Blood. Mm-hmm. In my case, the only book by Jane Yolen in the Whitehorse Public Library was Ascending of Dragons, which I read when I was in elementary school. And I dearly wanted to read the rest of the series, because in the front overleaf it says there were other books, but they weren't there. So it wasn't until I was going through the six boxes of books at the Marshlight Free Store and came across Heart's Blood that I got interested in this again, and then a friend lent me a stack of Jane Yolen books, 
The story will be familiar to people who read the last post I did on Jake Yolen. Uh, what I like is that we've been somewhat lukewarm because we're just trying to get through all the interesting things that happened, but these are excellent books. Yes. And even though you read The um, Sending of Dragons, which is really not the best book in this series, no. <laughs> um, you still, it's still definitely good enough to make you want to read the rest. So mm-hmm. don't think that we're, you know, Disliking the series, we're just you trying can't to... dislike Jane Yolen. She's too good. <laughs> so recently, Marie was able to obtain the fourth book, Dragon's Heart, yep. from the library publishing year. Yep. Thank you, Edmonton Public Library. What is the publishing year? Hang on, I'm opening the book. Two thousand nine. Yes, quite recent. Before it was always the Pit Dragon Trilogy. They had to change it to the Dragon Chronicles. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess she wrote this one because fans were so insistent that the story hadn't really concluded with Ascending of Dragons. I actually think it pretty much did. <laughs> well, never it didn't seem there was much more places that story could go after Ascending of Dragons. I was, I was actually pleased that she wrote Dragon's Heart, not just because it allowed me to sort of go back and read another installment from a series in my childhood, but just... Uh, I think I just was always curious what exactly happened after. And now mm-hmm. I know, and I feel like definitely it's done now. Like, yes. There's, there's this no more to happen. situation feels a lot like Ursula K. Le Guin in the Earthsea books, and that she wrote the initial Earthsea trilogy. And then many, 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 many years later, she wrote Tehanu, which she called the last book of Earthsea. Of course, it didn't turn out to be the last book of Earthsea, but that's a different story. Yes. Dragon's Heart is essentially about the political ramifications of what happened in the last three books. Yes. And, um, rather suddenly again we start calling the cave people trogs, this is just happens. <laughs> it's, it's never it's just suddenly decided. It's obviously from Trog the Dyke, but, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. They weren't called trogs in the last book, but yeah. we'll give Janiolin a pass for that. It would be a bit difficult to say. The people in the mountains constantly, so Trogs is a much faster way to do that. Mm-hmm. Not that they play a particularly big part in this one, I found. No. Basically, they go back to the to Sarkin's nursery. There's some, oh my god, we've changed in the past year. We've not been living here. And people are all like, how did you survive outside? That's really weird. The beginning is rather slow. Slow. I have to admit it is a bit slow. However, it does pick up about halfway through. Yeah. There are kidnappings, and counter-kidnappings, and dragons breathing flame on people. And attacking people, and heart-rendering things. And stuff involving drac, which are the natural predators against dragon eggs. And, as far as I can tell, just look bizarre. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They have, like, sensors underneath their wings that pulse and... Also, I like how it's sort of bad evolution, because once they close their wings, those sensors don't work. That's their best uh, sense. So, yeah. Yeah, well, this is a planet that also evolved dragons for whatever reason, so... And, um... Drak become handy later, because, um... In no particular order, I'll be recounting this. Mm -hmm. Drak become handy later, because, um, eventually, Aki somehow creates a vaccine from Drac Blood to do the effect that she and Jack can have so that they don't all have to uh, murder dragons all the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite get that from the other books, but 
there's a lot of stuff in here where there's explanations that come just a little bit too late, yeah. I found, but on the other hand, wrapping up the series 20 years later. Well, I think the Drac thing worked out fairly well, because there was that bit with the sending in the, um, sending is, is Yolan's term for those psychic messages, uh, in, from Slack, who's another character in the Incubard, that's the word I'm yes. looking for, <laughs> uh, because he had his hand in the Drac blood sort of thing, so kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that since we didn't have any of the actual experience of the transformation until the sending of dragons, then nobody else was there. I think it works out fine. Yeah, within the context of the book itself. <laughs> it, it doesn't actually come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's only in this book yes. where we find out a lot of things. <laughs> well, that's because it is basically the explaining book of mm-hmm. all the stuff that happened. In case you were wondering. And this is what happened after they blew up Rock Major. Yeah, there is... Um, democracy! Yeah, there's an there's a, there's a interesting tone of democracy is not that hot, <laughs> which I very much enjoy. <laughs> and then there's a really... The, the, the ending scene of the rescue of Aki is, I think, pretty good. Yep. <laughs> but, again, we're not dumping on this book. It was pretty good. It's, yeah, okay. I'd say it's, it's a fitting ending for the series. Mm-hmm. And it definitely closes all doors so that people will stop pestering Daniel then. Yes, because this is what the book was for. Yes. <laughs> Final thoughts. So it didn't take longer to read Dragon's Heart. I think it might actually be physically longer. Uh, I read it in a day. Yeah. It's, actually, it two is, days, not a day. It just doesn't have the same pacing. Mm-hmm. This is the problem. This stuff doesn't just start happening. Because the initial incident is the end of the last book, really. So, mm-hmm. that makes it difficult. <laughs> We're really in a denouement at the beginning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's uh, problematic. It takes a while for the story to get started again. When it's, As I said, I thought it was pe- pretty clearly over by Ascending of Dragons. But obviously other fans did not think so. <laughs> um, I was actually pleased with what happened with Arakin. Mm-hmm. Because he's kind of a useless douche in the last three books. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it, it gives him a nice ending, and also a, um... It's, it does explain his kind of character more, because I remember as a kid, I was being like, why the hell is Kaiser a dick? He was his friend in his last book. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's going on? Yes, there are other plot twists that did seem to come out of nowhere for me in Dragon's Heart, like, Lycarn is suddenly... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lycarn is Jack... is... <laughs> Lycarn is Jacket's uncle. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, because there was never any um, indication of this before. However, there also wasn't any reason why Lycarn would have revealed this before. <laughs> I have to say that for all the stuff that's pulled out the end, Daniel does a really good job of being consistent, I think. Yep. <laughs> she must have had to reread the manuscripts and really chart out what's going on. So, well done, her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Pit Dragons Chronicles, read them, they're awesome. Yes. Even if the fourth book kind of pulls stuff out of its buttocks, mm. it's still good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> You can do no wrong with Jane Yolen. At least that is still true. Mm-hmm. 
that was the One Last Sketch Podcast. See you next time. Bye now.